All right, meat is not here today. Dan Betlock, Danny Pants is filling in. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings in Creve Corps. Dan, what are we fighting over today? A Twin Peaks and 101 ESPN prize pack, including a Twin Peaks calendar full of discounts. If you're looking for the perfect gift for someone on your list, grab them a 2020 Twin Peaks calendar featuring more than 80 Twin Peaks girls. Fantastic timing for that. Uh, Jake, <laughs> Jake is our fighter. What's going on, man? How you doing today? Uh, doing real good. Now, are, are you prepared to take on Randy Carricker, who's had a week off to prepare for this? Uh, I fully expect to to clean his clock. So it's, I like it's just that. Going wow, with a lot of confidence. See, I'm, I'm digging that. Everybody I usually listen, and, but we'll see how it goes. Everybody else comes in like half step and like I don't know, we'll see what I can do. And Randy's the best, and he's the smartest. That's coming in, clean his clock. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I, baby. I'm digging that. All right, well, let's start here with the clock cleaning. I hope I said that right. <laughs> Question number one on this date in 2012. Edwin Jackson, he joined his eighth team in 11 years, signing a four-year, $52 million deal with the Chicago Cubs. How many franchises did Jackson pitch for? This is a crazy number. Did he pitch for uh, 14, 15, or 16? The fact that those three are in, in a conversation yeah. is nuts. I believe it's 16. Next question. What year did Mizzou and Illinois play their first bragging rights game? Was it 1979, 1980, or 81? Uh, 1980. Question number three. The Blues play the Sharks on Saturday. Who holds the single-season record in points for the San Jose franchise with 114? Is it Patrick Marlowe, Joe Thornton, or Joe Pavelski? What was the first one? Patrick Marlowe. Joe Thornton, Joe Pavelski. Uh, I'm going to say Patrick Marlowe. Okay, who led the Cardinals in triples last season with seven? Was it Colton Wong, Tommy Edmond, or Harrison Bader? Uh, Tommy Edmond. All right, let's bring in Randy. How we feeling, all right? Yeah, keep uh, that headset on. You're good to go. Uh, a little shaky, but I think... You're going to be okay. I'm pretty sure... I'm just trying to think based on Harrison Bader's playing time. I don't think that. Well, well, according the to the stats we have, you got some good cleaning out to clean that clock. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe. We'll, we'll find out. Okay. Hey, Randy. Hey, Randy. Hey. Say hi to Jake. Jake, good to see you, sir. You too, sir. Uh, uh, Randy, I won't even tell you what Jake said about <laughs> how he feels this fight is going to go. All right, I'm not even going to tell you. We'll just go with this. Okay. Jake's pretty confident. Good. In his abilities today. I like that. Today. Yes. So, and and uh, Randy, not to set this up any further, but. I won the last two days. So not to put any pressure on no you, pressure. but uh, please maintain our pride as a show. I will. Here so we I'll go. Try, I'll do my best. All right, try. <laughs> Question number one, Randy. On this date in 2012, Edwin Jackson, he joined his eighth team in 11 years, signing a four-year, $52 million deal with the Chicago Cubs. How many franchises did Jackson end up pitching for? A lot. That's correct. <laughs> um, I don't know if he got the all-time record because a couple of former Cardinals had that record. Uh, one of them was Octavio Dotel. I'll just I'll go 14 for Edwin Jackson. What year did the Mizzou and Illinois uh, play their first bragging rights game? 1980. Question number three. The Blues played the Sharks on Saturday. Randy, who holds the single-season record in points for the San Jose franchise with 114 of them? 
114 points. Seems like there was a year where Thornton had uh, like 90 assists. So I will go with Jumbo Joe. This is me, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the fourth one. That's still right. you. Yeah, still me. Yep. Still holding. Still holding. <laughs> holding. Randy, who led the Cardinals in triples last season with seven? Seven triples. Um, I don't think it was Fowler. Bader. I know it wasn't Fowler. Um, oh, uh, Wonger. I'll go with Wonger. We've got a winner. All right. Well, Jake said that he was going to. I can tell you now, Randy, since it happened, he said he was going to clean your clock. Uh, which Good job. I don't know how many clocks you have in your home, but it, it might take a while. Uh, it is uh, Edwin Jackson. It, by the way, it was uh, three to two was the final score here. Um, and I, I am trying to do a little fact checking here, real quick. On mm -hmm. uh, Jackson, it's 16. Why do I only see 14? Why don't I see 14 on baseball reference? I don't know. Either way. Okay. Either way. I I'm wondering. I don't I, know. I looked at Wikipedia, so they had it. Six what? Eight. There it is. You're fact-checking at Wikipedia? I did. I don't know. Either. It doesn't matter. No. All right? It doesn't matter. You would have lost anyhow if it would have tied. It might be 14 or 16. We've got 16 here. We'll fact-check on Edwin Jackson. How many teams did he play for? But, my goodness, was it a lot of them. Uh, well, Mizzou he had 16. He had someone, right? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. Kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mizzou and Illinois. They played their first bragging rights game in 1980. It is Joe Thornton, Randy, who had the most points in uh, San Jose franchise history with 114 of them. And Tommy Edmond led the way last year in triples with seven of them. But, Jake, man, you are the winner. Congratulations. And, uh, look, come Monday, you're back. Okay. Good awesome. job. Yeah, Thank Jake, you. Thank you. Jake did that. Did that work. Usually... You come in with a little bit of vibrato, and then mm -hmm. Randy takes you back to earth. But, you know, sometimes <laughs> you have days like this. No, I'm always impressed when I listen on the air. and it's, it's amazing that you just have that knowledge off the top of your head. So it's very, very impressive. And Thank you. Good job by you. It is the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN, and it is 410. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up, there are plenty of ways to run a baseball franchise, but who has the best model? That's next here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Well, you look at the current Major League World Series champions, the Washington Nationals, and they had a certain way of going about building a baseball team, didn't they? They signed a couple of free agents. They gave big money to a top pick in the draft in St Steven Strasburg, and they won with starting pitching. You look at the way the opponents of the Nationals, the Astros, went about building a team. They went out and traded for starting pitching after building their team primarily through the draft and added some really good players. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. You know what's interesting, though, BT, is if you look at the team that over the last decade has had the most success, it's been the team that's gone to the top, to the bottom, to the top, to the bottom. It's been Boston. Yes. And they've done it multiple ways. Yeah, it, it really is weird. And when you were mentioning them earlier, because we, we were talking about uh, uh, the best team doesn't all, always win, yeah. and they were the team that I thought of who did win the World Series in 2018. I don't understand how you can fluctuate so much, how you can go up and down as much, but Neither. it is hard to argue with the overall success that they've had in the last decade. Here's the, the thing about it, and, and the two teams that you just mentioned in the Astros and in uh, the Nationals. Look, the, the idea of it is the same. You're still drafting, drafting and developing, and then you're sprinkling in help from outside the organization. So whether you do that via trade, which the Nationals did a lot of the trading too. That's how they ended up getting, uh, getting eaten and getting some of the other pieces uh, that, that they had on that ball club. 
But it, it still comes down to, I believe that teams like, and I mean this with no disrespect to them, because I believe that they're a, a very good organization. They're well-run, and they do the best uh, with what they have. I don't think that the Tampa Bay Rays, the way that they're cur currently built and the way that their model is, I don't believe that that can win a World Series. Like, I, I feel like they're going to be that one piece away until they actually spend on that piece. On the flip side, I don't believe that the Angels, the way that the Angels have gone about it with just trying to buy all these players from the outside and spending all this money without being able to draft and develop a lot of talent that has been a mainstay at the big league level, I don't think that they can win either. The recipe falls in between those two teams, and it's not to take anything away from the talent that they have, but that's how good ball clubs are built. Whether you're willing to spend tons of cash and be over the luxury tax threshold or you have to be at the bottom of it like you find a, a couple of the teams, you need cost-controlled talent, all right? But then you need to be able to have some financial wherewithal and flexibility to go out there and get the players that put you over the top. And that's why the Yankees, and this sounds strange in this day and age, but the Yankees are the model. When you look at the team that they trot out on a regular basis, they made a great move in getting rid of a high-value guy that they were able to get back in, or Aldis Chapman, but they traded him for prospects that included Glaber Torres. Uh, they developed, drafted and developed Andrew uh, Aaron Judge. They drafted and developed Aaron Hicks. Uh, they picked up a guy like Urshela from Toronto for nothing, uh, and, and Toronto didn't even know what they had. Uh, they go out and sign D.J. LeMahieu to a budget contract. They get Luke Voigt from the Cardinals for Gallegos. Uh, they bring up Gary Sanchez, who's a 30-home-run guy. Uh, you look at their rotation. That's where they've spent the big money with Cole and Tanaka coming from Japan and Paxton in the trade with Seattle. They developed Severino. They traded for Happ and re-signed him. And obviously Chapman came over in uh, uh, originally a trade but then wound up coming back as a free agent. But the thing about the Yankees is even though they have that outrageous payroll, most of the money is spent on guys that don't really help them win. Which is, well, they, they, where have they fallen short the last couple of years? Why did they go spend uh, $324 million on coal? Yeah, yeah. It, it's been right there. So there are different ways to do it. And different organizations have different things that they believe are their strong suit. For the Cardinals over the past, uh, look, decade plus, it, it has been arms. It, it's been controllable, uh, young, uh, talented pitchers that they use in multiple ways. Those guys can come up and be mainstays in the rotation, a la Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson is the hope. Or they can end up being currency in a bigger deal, but they deal well in pitching. Like, that's a strength that this organization has had for a long time. Now, you could say, well, uh, they, well they, they don't need that anymore. They need to shift gears, and they need to go after that high-end bat. I think that high-end bat is a lot harder to project mm -hmm. than the pitching is. Like, you can see upside as far as a pitcher goes. If you're looking for a high-end bat, well, it's a lot easier to do what the Astros did and be drafting uh, first and, and get a Correa and pick second and get a Bregman. Like, that's that's a lot easier to do than picking in the 20s and getting a, I don't know what you get. Nolan Gorman is the hope that, that he ends up panning out, and that was kind of a, a risky move for the Cardinals. And maybe risky isn't the, the right word because there were a lot of people that, that said uh, they were draft analysts that couldn't believe that Nolan Gorman actually fell to the Cardinals where they were, but it wasn't a move that you're used to seeing the organization right. do, and I wonder at the time, maybe it was a little uncomfortable even. I think, and I know this sounds like a Homer thing, H-O-M-E-R, but if, if you look at the fact that the Cardinals have won 
had a winning record 12 years in a row. Only the Yankees have matched that. In those 12 years, they've made the postseason seven times. Uh, they've been to a couple of World Series. They've won a World Series. And you look at what you talked about in terms of the model of drafting and develop, scouting, drafting and developing young pitchers. If you're a normal mid-market team, if you're anywhere from market number 10 through whatever the bottom market in baseball is, team market number 10 through team market number 30, okay. that's the way to do it is to draft pitching because pitching will always be a currency that you can trade for a bat. If you're willing to bite that bullet and you have enough of it, you can trade it for a bat. And if you don't want to tank, and I think most teams don't. They don't want to go through a situation where they draw 10000 a game for a couple of years, like Houston did, like the Cubs. The Cubs always drew, but they lost and they didn't have a chance. If you want to provide yourself a chance, you, pro, you get that currency that is starting pitching. I think that is, always has been, and always will be the model. Yeah, I think so, too. But I, to play devil's advocate for a minute, because I, I, I like the way they go about it, and I do believe you can get what you want. I just look at the couple of teams that were just in the World Series, and I, I look at, uh, certainly, I mean, you look at Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. You feel pretty good about rolling that out. But they did also have superstar position players that they drafted, yep. both sides, right? So uh, I wonder, I mean, is that the key, right? By the way, and this maybe this is what, if you were going to choose Washington, and the reason I didn't say Washington primarily is because they had to spend so much on the pitching. But they also did a great job in the international market with getting Soto. a guy like Soto. Yeah, yeah for sure. And uh, there's a lot to do with that. And I still think that the Cardinals missing out on Luis Robert is going to be one that bites them. For, for a couple of years because uh, he is a guy, and if you're not familiar with Luis Robert, he is a guy who was a, a, an international free agent. He was from Cuba. There was a bidding. The Cardinals were, were in on him, allegedly. He ended up signing with the White Sox, and I believe that he is currently the second-highest-rated uh, second prospect in all of right. baseball, uh, if not the first-rated prospect. I mean, the guy is a, an absolute star in the making, hitting monster home runs. So... Uh, he, he's he, number three. He's number three. Who do we got in front of him? Wander Franco, the shortstop from Tampa, and Gavin Lux, who's good. at the major league level now. Yeah, he's he's moved. He hasn't played enough to move beyond prospect, but he's at the major leagues now. So, and maybe that's where. And the Cardinals have done a lot of this. I mean, they, they've done a very good job uh, in the international market to, and, and signing free agents and, get, and getting guys out of there. But uh, I think the the bottom line in the conversation of the blueprint. The blueprints are always going to change, and you end up hitting on a star player somehow, somewhere. Uh, we bring up Aaron Judge as an example a lot. While he was a first-rounder, he was the end of the first round. I mean, he was a, a 30, uh, I think, was, was he a sandwich pick? Like 32nd overall uh, in, in that draft. Well, if you knew what Aaron Judge was going to be, chances are uh, there would have been 31 teams before him that ended up drafting him. But sometimes you end up having to get lucky. It's hard to project what that bat is going to be. Great call. Well, Rand Randall Gritchick, right? Yeah, Randall Gritchick was a pick before. right before him. So you, you just never know. But it still comes down to you, you have to build systems. You have to uh, trust in your scouting department. You have to trust in your numbers. You have to trust in your eyes. And then when you get these players within your organization, you have to do a better job than other organizations do. And I still believe that this is like this is the key now. It, it, I don't think the key is as much 
fi finding who the best player is and like acquiring him in the draft. I think it's getting those players because everybody's evaluating players kind of within the same model. Mm -hmm. But it's getting those players within your organization and and developing them there. Developing is where like everything your assets should be going yeah. into now. And by the way, I, I remember this was six years ago in the playoffs. And uh, we were at the playoff series between the Cardinals and the Dodgers. And Stan Kasten, their president, uh, was talking in their dugout, uh, talking about great franchises. And he said, actually, we aren't where we want to be. He said, our model is over there and pointed to the Cardinal dugout. He said, that's the model for success. And another team that is headed towards doing what the Cardinals do is the Dodgers. We just mentioned Gavin Lux, Walker Bueller, uh, the, the ginger guard. They're loaded with young players. and Tony Gonsolin is yeah, another good arm over there. Yeah, they are just such a draft and develop team. And under Andrew Friedman, who's been there about five years now, they still haven't signed a contract for more than $100 million. Even the Cardinals have signed more than a $100 million contract in that time, and the Dodgers haven't. So that's a pretty good way to go about business, too. It is, but if uh, – so so that's the one with me, with, with the Dodgers, that I believe when they're – because the Dodgers, whether Cardinal fans like to hear it or not, the, the Dodgers play in a different market than you play in. Like, they, they play a different uh, – I'm talking from a business mm -hmm. standpoint. They, like, oh, yeah. That's, that's big boy stuff that they're playing with. I think that that's an organization that might end up be kicking themselves down the road for not signing that big deal to get them over to the edge because it's been quite some time since – they actually found themselves holding up that World Series trophy, and apparently they were at nine and three hundred for, or no, eight and three hundred for Cole, and the Yankees went over the top by giving him nine and three twenty-four. But he wanted to go home. Yeah, ultimately he wanted to be in SoCal. Yeah, and but the other thing the uh, the Dodgers do really well, and we talk about uh, scouting and drafting. I think their pro scouting is way better than everybody else's. When you can go get a Justin Turner and you can make a trade. and Max Muncy. Yep, get Muncy, who had been waived by Moneyball, of all things. And uh, they, they make that trade for Kike Hernandez and the catcher, uh, uh, was it Romine? One of the Romines? Uh, whoever. Uh, Austin Romine? I, I, I think Austin Barnes. I'm sorry, okay. Austin Barnes. Uh, the, both of those guys, they got. For D. Gordon from Miami, wow. uh, they, they had done a really good job. They have done a really good job in L.A. of pro scouting. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. B.T. and Randy from Buffalo Wild Wings in Creve Court, where we're giving away a pair of Blues tickets every half hour today. Stop by and sign up. Next up, as we continue in this edition of the Fast Lane, uh, we've got... Hold on. Oh, I got. I grabbed the wrong page. There we go. We want your text to the Hot Shots text line 65780 for Wish Upon a Star. What sports what? or life moments do you wish that you were able to witness in person? Hold on. Now, now this is uh, from the mastermind of Dan Betlock yes. right here. Dan, Dan, explain Wish Upon a Star for so us. So it can be anything. Text. So I had some examples. I wish I was there when Richie Incognito was bullying Jonathan Martin. Just How to, see what, just to see what it was like. Just to be a fly on the you wall. Got a problem. Or you can be there. Wish I was there when the, when the decision was made by the Patriots to record the Rams Super Bowl walkthrough. What, kind, what was that like? Or when people realized that meat had to be cooked to a certain temperature. I wish I was there when they realized that. Yeah. Stuff like that. Could be anything. This is, so it, we're asking our uh, our listeners yeah. for total randomness? Total randomness. I love that. They can do that. How about quiz time? Yeah. Uh, Pop quiz, hot in, shot. In, internal temperature for a medium well ribeye. A uh, medium well ribeye. I'm going to go 145. 155. I was going to say 155. Yeah, very well. Oh, sorry. Very well done. So we want your mic drops, and you can also send us a text, 65780. Uh, heck, 
any life moment that you wish you were able to witness, whether it was just a, a home run or maybe behind the scenes. So we want you to, and it doesn't have to be sports, any life moment. That's next on 101 ESPN. All right, your opportunity to wish upon a star with the mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app or by using your text machine, 65780, the Hot Shots text line. Uh, what sports or life moments do you wish you were able to witness in person? BT, have you picked one out? Uh, well, I, I had a couple of just uh, topical, well, not even topical, but it was like very St. Louis sportsy uh, here. I would love to have been there, like in the room during the... Albert Pujols negotiations of like, you know, the back and forth and like legitimately like knowing both sides, where both were at. I think that that would be like a really interesting one to know both sides of the deal. And I got one more. And this one is blues related from last season. We know how magical it was. We know how uh, how Pat Maroon is uh, a hero. I mean, this guy will never buy another meal in St. Louis ever again, most likely. I would like to be, uh, I, I wish I was around for any of the conversations that Army had regarding trading Pat Maroon. Because you remember, yeah. there were, I mean, there were times where he were, was healthy scratches. There were also contract issues where if he was off the roster by a certain time, you'd be able to save a little bit of cash. And there had to have been some of these conversations. Like, I wonder how close that would have got, because that would have yeah. changed history in St. Louis. Yeah, from a sports standpoint, I think that would be cool to know that sort of thing. I, I think it would be interesting to be able to go back and see what Georgia Frontier was thinking when she put together her estate plan that uh, didn't allow her kids to be able to take over the franchise and allowed it to be able to be taken over by Stan Kroenke. Uh, Another one for me is, uh, you remember at at the outset of the internet, do you remember CompuServe? CompuServe was like a a platform. It was kind of like AOL. It was like one of those. It was owned by Sears. And Somebody at Sears said, hey, why don't we use this Internet platform that we have to sell our goods and have it sent to people? And Sears people said, oh, that'll never work. People will never <laughs> want the stuff delivered to their house. People want to see things. People want to see it. They want to touch it. Yeah, and here is Sears out of business when they had that idea probably 15 years before yeah. Amazon Amazon's did. just murdering it. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, uh, all right, we got text. Dan yes. Betlock in for Big Sis. What do you got? Yes, we do on the Hot Shots text line, 657-80-618. I wish I was there in 2004 when Illinois came back from being down double digits to beat Arizona in the Elite Eight. Ooh, that was amazing, yeah. Uh, that was great. Also, sorry? And that was a Saturday, Saturday night, a late Saturday night. I was working at the Big 550 at the time, and I had already set up Bruce Weber to call in on Sunday morning right off the top of the show at 9 o'clock. Bing, the 9 o'clock, the phone rings, and there's Bruce Weber awesome. with that totally raspy voice, oh, yeah. but it was lost. But he was calling in because he was a man of his word. That's awesome. Uh, 314, I wish I was in the Bronco with OJ. <laughs> I guess Al would have been there, too. That would have been interesting. I mean, what a story to tell, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> because you've only heard, like, some of the conversations. You've only heard uh, some of the, uh, well, Bob Costas yep. talked about uh, talked about the, the situation where OJ called him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, what a story that one was. Yeah. So that you could have told the guy. He said, look, Bob's at Madison Square Garden. He's not at the studio. He's not at home. Let's try the garden. 314, I wish I was there uh, when Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. Ooh, that would have been interesting. <laughs> no, don't do it. 
Yeah. Or, or you know what? It's probably the best thing that ever happened. Like, like sometimes don't butterfly affect anything. Oh. Don't, don't, because that probably made him even hungrier than he was before. I know we got a couple of uh, mic drops. Here's one from Rick. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, I think tickets were like twelve bucks at the <laughs> LA Coliseum, and it wasn't sold out. It was like half full. Well, twelve bucks was a lot, Randy. It was back in the day. Back in the day. We got one more mic drop from David. Yeah, that would have been cool. Uh, six three six. Wish I was there when Russell Brandon lit Brad Thompson up like a scene from Christmas Vacation. Ooh, ouch! Uh, you don't want to be there. <laughs> it, it was an ugly scene, and then your neck's gonna hurt if you have my same vantage point. <laughs> yeah, you don't need that in your life. <laughs> <laughs> life moment here. Four one seven. Wish I was at the Live Aid concert to see Queen. Well, that would have been cool. That's a just, good one. Or just anybody at that Live Aid concert. Yeah, right. right. BT, no, no Queen for you. He, oh, he's a huge just, fan. What is the concert you're talking about? The, oh, was that live the one aid? at the end of the movie. Did you see? Have you seen Bohemian <laughs> no. Rhapsody? No, well, no. <laughs> it was a huge. Uh, it was a, an AIDS awareness mm-hmm. concert, right? It's like a Woodstock, basically. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. uh, in London, and mass at, at Wembley Stadium. Okay. And Queen and a bunch of other bands performed. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine yeah. with Queen. Yeah. I get. Is the movie <laughs> worth seeing? Because a lot of people yes, it say is. it was. Uh, what was okay? Other people say it was I liked great. It. I liked it. It was good. I liked right. it. Yeah. If you, it's not. Totally accurate. Which doesn't matter for me because I don't either. even know the history. Yeah. So, yeah. I think you're, you're in great shape there. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm, I'm going to risk it knowing what Meat said last week in the air and got away he with it. He didn't mean to. Uh, <laughs> 314, I wish I was there to hand Bill Clinton a tissue instead of using Monica's dress. Oh, yeah. Get you a fall guy. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, I wish I was there for the 314 when Oshi scored his three shootout goals in Sochi. That would have been cool. That was neat because I, I remember watch watching all those games here. And uh, look, a lot of the time, I think we were on the air a few times, right, while some of these these games were going on. Yep. And it was stop what you're doing to watch uh, watch these games and certainly watch uh, T.J. Oshi tear it up. And then didn't uh, David Backus come home with like 30 dogs? Yeah, or at least he one did. dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oshi dogs, yeah. right? Um, let's see. From the 314, I wish upon a star that I could have been a fly on the wall when Barubi had his conversation with Boom Boom while taking the pee pee. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Where'd you guys have that conversation? At the urinal. At, yeah, we're at the head. <laughs> uh, 314 on the lunar module when they landed on the moon. Oh, that would have been good. Uh, 1936 when Jesse Owens beat the Nazis. Yeah, that would, one. that's pretty incredible. Uh, in the room with George Steinbrenner when McGee, ex-Yankee minor leaguer, hit two, or hit two. He's in the 1982 World Series. Not sure what that means. Two home runs? Oh, yeah. that hit two. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Randy, would, would you want to be in any of the meetings uh, behind the scenes as far as the relocation to L.A. went, like yeah. the Goodell, Jerry Jones, Stan Kroenke conversations? I'd love to know what happened in there. Just saying, yeah. hey, like it's Roger. I got you. Don't worry yeah. about this, fellas. We'll get this all taken care of. It's going to yeah. be great. It'd be, it'd be awesome to know exactly what happened. We'll have a pretty good idea, but it would have been awesome to know exactly what happened. I wish I was there uh, when uh, Stan Kroenke sold his soul to the devil. Hmm. Wonder when that happened. Do you think it was like? A, do you think it was a new thing? Do you feel like he always had, had uh, an evil heart? Like do you he almost had to. Yeah, I think so. Or do you, do you feel like as your riches grow, and uh, if you're a bajillionaire, text in 65780. Like, as your riches grow, does your heart harden more? Because like, I bet that, they, like, the richer you get, the more hands that are out. Like, but the I, more people that yeah. want help and the more to, it, it's easier to just say, you know what, no, no, no. But I think you have to be predisposed, though. 
because think of a guy like Bill Gates and how much money he gives away and uh, how charitable he is or how uh, at least outwardly friendly Steve Ballmer seems yeah. to be. Uh, so I, I think you do have to have some predisposition to have that level of evil. That makes sense. Want a couple more? Yeah. I uh, wish I was there when Buster Douglas knocked out Tyson. Oh, yeah. Or when Phoebe Katz came out of the pool in, in uh, Fast <laughs> Times Ridgemont High. That was a good scene. Absolutely. Not bad. Uh, I'd have liked to have been there when Tiger's wife took the club out on Tiger's vehicle. Yes, please. Yeah, that's the I don't want to be in the car, I don't think, because it looked like an abrupt stop. But I, I think just, just to be around to see that. Yeah. Uh, when, I want to be at Perkins, too, just to kind of see oh, yeah. what that looked like. Uh, when Eve ate the apple, I'd smack it out of her damn hand. Wow, that. good call, we'll, too. we we'll go back in time. Way back. All right, thanks. Appreciate it, Danny. No problem. By the way, uh, some of the acts that uh, appeared at Live Aid, Elvis Costello, he only did one song. Uh, Sade, Sting, and Phil Collins appeared together. You had uh, U2 doing a couple of songs. You had Dire Straits. You had Queen. You had David Bowie. You had The Who, Elton John, uh, Paul McCartney, and then uh, the whole group was called Band Aid. So there you go. That's just uh, all right. Uh, yeah, so that seems like a great show to have been at. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure you can get on YouTube and watch the whole thing. So there you can go. You? I think so yeah. Me too. Next up, time for a weekly chat with the professor John Clayton. He's next on 101 ESPN. A busy week 16 in the National Football League, and to break it down for us, the professor John Clayton joins us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN. John, always good to have you with us. How you doing? I'm doing well, and happy holidays, everybody. Same to you. I always loved it, and the NFL has gotten away from this for a, a few years, but I always loved these Saturday games that they'll uh, resume tomorrow. They have three of them, uh, a noon game, uh, 3.30 St. Louis time, and then uh, 7.15. But uh, to me, that made me feel like, okay, we're near playoff time is when those Saturday games started up. Yeah, and of course, I mean, I don't know how many times you know I've done it, you've done it, and all that probably. And I need to do it tomorrow. Unfortunately, is that you know you're going through stores trying to do a lot of a little bit of last minute Christmas shopping, and you basically just stand there and watch the game. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, you know me, I'm going to have to try to get in and out as fast as I can because I mean you get uh, two big games out of the three, and you know the other game's not too bad too. But again, you get the decision on what's going to happen in the AFC East. Then you get the decision on uh, what's going on as far as playoff positioning for San Francisco playing the Rams, and are the Rams going to be eliminated? So, yeah, it's going to be a great day. Uh, uh, speaking of what's going to happen in the AFC, as you mentioned, it's Bills, it's Patriots, it's at 3.30 here, here Central Time. Do, do you have a good feel for what the, the Bills are at this point? I mean, they're 10-4, they're and 4, the record is there, we, we know who they've played, though. I mean, do you believe in this Bills team? Uh, not totally. I mean, I think that they're a byproduct of the schedule. But, of course, we could say that last year about the, uh, you know, the Chicago Bears because the Chicago Bears won 4-1 and one against winning teams and 3-8 and eight against losing teams, and you see now they're 7-7. Seven and seven. But it's even more so with the uh, Bills because I think they've only beaten one team that has a winning record, and they've only played about two or three. And so, uh, you know, they, they, what they are is like the Bears last year. They don't give up many points. You know, you, they can do some things on offense, and, you know, they've got a quarterback in Josh Allen that's getting better. But to believe in them right now, I don't think so because, again, I think they're still getting better. That's two playoffs in three years, but I think they're just a, a byproduct to a certain degree of an easy schedule. 
And, John, Josh Allen, 23 years old. The NFL noted today that in 81, almost 82% of the games this year, at least one of the starting quarterbacks has been under the age of 27. That's the most in league history. With all these young quarterbacks, and 19 of 32, by the way, on Sunday, are expected to be age 27 or younger. Is the pro game starting to emulate the college game, and is it? do you think it's easier for college quarterbacks to uh, acclimate themselves to the NFL now maybe than it was 10, 15 years ago? Well, I think what's happening is that it's a little easier because I think that uh, the coaching staffs now are starting to buy into what they're doing in college. They may not like it, but they're doing it. And so what you can see Greg Groman doing with Lamar Jackson, what you can see what was going on last year with Mitch Trubisky, you know, they're incorporating a lot of things with these running quarterbacks, and I think that's good. And so it's changed. And see, what's, what's happened now, we've had two major changes in what used to be. I mean, what used to be is that you wanted a pocket passer and that's it. Well, now, thanks to Russell Wilson, now you can take a quarterback under six foot, take mm-hmm. him in the first round and succeed. You know, thanks to Lamar Jackson and his running ability, you can see that you know, he's now going to open the door for more running quarterbacks, and that means that, okay, you better start figuring out ways with RPOs. You have to figure out ways with all these different type of offenses in college to incorporate them in. I mean, you look at Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid was a pure West Coast offense guy, right? Didn't like to run the football. I mean, he'd rather throw it to the running back coming out of the backfield in the West Coast offense. Now he's integrated a bunch of college uh, coaches who have been there maybe in college one or two years, and you can see the creativity that he has. I mean, you're seeing you know, more imaginative coaching, and the ones that are on the college level picking things up are the ones that are doing things well. John, uh, another great game this weekend, or at least big-time implications for it. It's Cowboys, it's Eagles. They're both sitting at 7-7, seven and seven, but there's been some questions this week about the, the shoulder of Dak Prescott. What are you hearing about that? Uh, he's not even on the injury report today, so he's banged up. <clears throat> but then you've got a lot of quarterbacks that are banged up uh, and a lot of players that are banged up. I mean, you've seen you know, off and on the last couple of years, you, know, you get to week 13, Tom Brady's on the, on the list with a shoulder injury, but he plays through it. And I think what you have to determine is what's the, uh, the availability of guys and how available they are. I mean, the Russell Wilsons, the Tom Brady's, used to be Peyton Manning. They'll play through this. Dak Prescott's in that same vein. He'll play through it. He'll be fine. What do you make, though, uh, of the Cowboys' just inconsistencies overall? And I guess that we've seen this all across the league. I mean, there are games where a team shows up, then they look like a different team the next week. But the Cowboys definitely come to mind. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that they've underachieved. I mean, you've got the drop passes on offense. You've got the... uh, you know, mistakes in, on the defense, which is inexplainable to a point right now where you start to wonder, is there going to be a defensive coordinator change if Jason Garrett comes back? And then, you know, Jason being very conservative in the big games, and that doesn't play very well. So all those things considered, I mean, here's a team that had 15 guys who had been to the Pro Bowl, and they're sitting there, you know, one in five against winning teams. Something isn't right. And so that's why Jerry Jones is contemplating a coaching change. And the only way he doesn't make a coaching change is if Jason Garrett fixes things, wins two playoff games, and gets close to the Super Bowl. John Clayton with us in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. You mentioned Tom Brady and a lot of buzz about perhaps him not being with New England anymore after this year. What do you think of that situation? 
I, I think for the first time it's a consideration. I still don't buy the idea that it's going to happen because I still think in the end, I mean, you know, Tom Brady wins this game against Buffalo, which I think he will, and he'll win the last game. There'll be 13 wins. Worst case scenario, they're the number two seed. And so if they can win that home game and, you know, how good they can be at home, even though it didn't work against Kansas City, you know, what they can do then is, you know, take the opportunity to see if Kansas City goes there and they can beat them and even that out and then go to Baltimore and the possibility of losing. But I still think he's going to be back, but I can't guarantee it, and that's something I've never been able to say before. Hmm. Uh, uh, when you're looking at this last couple of weeks here, Professor, uh, I, I know you mentioned Jason Garrett potentially on the hot seat, Jerry Jones looking for somebody new. Uh, can you see anything happening in the, in the next two weeks that really warms up anybody else's seat where, where it said, all right, that's it, that's the end of things? You know, it's, uh, it has to be a strange circumstance. Now, again, I was still stunned that David Tepper fired Ron Rivera with four games left because it didn't make him much sense because, you know, you knew you were out of the playoffs. I mean, you want somebody there that can get you through the final four weeks. They went to Perry Fuel. Okay, so that surprised me. You know, the Coughlin, Tom Coughlin thing was going to happen after the season, but once the story came out from the Players Association that a quarter of the grievances over the last two years have been because of Tom Coughlin's decisions in the front office, then that made it sense, made it sense that something was going to happen immediately. But other than that, I think these last two weeks should be clean because, again, unless you have a coach on your staff, that you think is going to be the next head coach, why make the change? John, a lot of discussion here. A lot of people, let me put it this way, lamented when Shad Khan didn't get the opportunity to get the Rams because he would have kept them here. But he doesn't seem to be a very good owner. He doesn't show an awful lot of patience, and they haven't done a ton of winning there. What's the, the league perception of Shad Khan's ability to build a franchise? No, they think he's a pretty good owner. I mean, it, it just comes down to that, uh, you know, he... It, it took him such a long time it took because again you know they were in that long build-up period and so they didn't have many good draft choices and they really haven't gotten right at quarterback and like anything else if you don't have it right at quarterback you're not going to be right overall so now what he's done is that you know Tom comes in puts some discipline in the organization they go to an AFC championship game on a 12-win season everything looks good but then they kept on dabbling in free agency making bad decisions there uh, they still didn't get it right at the quarterback position. I mean, so much of it is still the quarterback position. And, you know, the owner isn't the guy picking the quarterback. It's the others. And so Blake Bortles set things back. Uh, now they tried to pick it up with Nick Foles. That didn't work out. And so uh, now they have to pay the price. But like anything else, it's a quarterback-driven league. And you, if you don't have the quarterback to drive the car, you're usually spinning off the road. Do you think he'll keep Caldwell and Marone around? I think he'll keep Caldwell. I can't. I don't know if I can buy they're going to keep Marone around because, uh, you know, so, so the, the team doesn't seem to be responding as well. Now, again, how much of that's Coughlin? Well, Coughlin's not the coach. It's still Doug Marone. And, you know, whether, you know, he's selling it that, the, you know, Tom made it too tough for him to coach after them being so tight for so long, then I don't know. But I'd say right now they're going to be looking for a head coach. John, can't imagine too many eyes are going to be glued to this unless you're a big-time Giants or a big-time Redskins fan. But Daniel Jones is getting the start. It's not Eli. Uh, when, when it's all said and done, it's, I mean, likely could be this year for, for Eli Manning, probably will be this year. Eli, a Hall of Famer to you? Uh, eventually. I mean, I don't think it's a first ballot, but I think that, you know, over a course of time, he's got the numbers, he's got the durability, all those different things. I mean, the only time that he missed that one, missed a game that uh, wasn't a uh, 
decision by the coach or anything like that. It was when they made a stupid move of benching him and going with a young quarterback, and that was dumb. But again, you know, I, I think that uh, you know maybe by year two or year three in the Hall of Fame is in the voting, he'll get in. And finally, John, with all of the people that are going in, the 15 uh, new Hall of Famers this year for, for the centennial year, could this be the year for Don Coriel? It could be, yeah. I think it's either this year or next year because I think that uh, what you're looking at, and, and this is just going on you know, the feel of how the voting has gone, I mean, you have to figure that Jimmy Johnson is going to be the first choice because of what he did. Uh, and then it's either going to be Don Coriel or Tom Flores. And if the Hall of Fame does what they are expected to do after this season, then uh, they'll we'll have a coaching category every year. So I'd say it's either this year or next year, and it very well could be this year. Mr. Clayton, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, sir. That is the great John Clayton, the professor with us in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Coming up from Buffalo Wild Wings at Creve Corps, where we're giving away a pair of blues tickets every half hour. You need to stop by and sign up. A bronze fan got a massive tattoo, even more massive than a blues fan. We'll tell you what and where before take it or leave it on 101 ESPN.